recording this part alone. Um, yeah, I'm just gonna push on right now. Um, Kim is busy as fuck. <laughs> so, like, I feel like I need to do this, um, to hold it down over here. Look, I'm gonna be vulnerable. I'm gonna be real. This isn't easy for me to do by myself. And hopefully y'all still enjoy it. Um, I feel like a lot of times people um, don't understand anxiety. And they, like a lot of people would think that as an anxious person that even talking on the microphone is hard for me. Especially doing video is hard for me, which is a real thing. And I'm trying to get over it because that is where the landscape has clearly changed. And I realized it and we're falling behind. But look, <laughs> I'm catastrophizing. Those are the wor- those are the words that you pay a therapist uh, good money to learn. I am a creature of habit in the most insane ways. Um, when Mangoes, which used to be my favorite restaurant, uh, when it was open, I used to be off on Mondays and every lunch on Monday, I used to go and get a table by myself and listen to podcasts in the back while I ate dope ass Jamaican food. And it was to the point to where the owner remembered me and recognized me and the waiters will remember my meal and what drinks I wanted and stuff like that. COVID happened and that changed everything and my favorite restaurant closed. I am a creature of habit. I am so used to sitting in this room and bouncing ideas off of one in person, Kim, because that's who I've been doing this podcast with for five years. And when I do um, my therapy sessions, which are on video, I uh, use this room also to do therapy. So even sometimes going in this room, even for like editing, is a mental block I have to get over, especially creatively. And, yeah, man. Ever since we started this, I have always wanted to be myself. And that's just one of the things I've been dealing with. Anxiety, being afraid of failure. Being afraid of the platform changing even slightly. And just all of that. And just life. And then also... Today is October the 23rd. Tomorrow, October the 24th, is exactly a month away from my birthday. And there are two people in in this world. People that love their birthdays and think that they're like king or queen for the day. And people that absolutely hate their birthdays. And I am one of those people that absolutely hates my birthday. Uh, For several reasons, none of those which matters to y'all, but it's just, this is the time of my life where I'm fighting depression and anxiety, and I'm winning, I'm winning that fight, it's just, it gets real around this time of the year for me, and trying to come up with content in the middle of that is very stressful. And I'm not going to use this in the front, but hopefully like later in the back, because I don't want it to seem like it's just a doom process. But God damn, I'm turning 35 years old. I'm halfway through my 30s. Motherfuckers act like you are ancient if you're over 30 in TV and media. And I have not reached some of the goals that I want to reach. And I will reach them. I understand that. But shit be getting frustrating. 
And so, yeah, hopefully people can relate to that. If we have any younger listeners, know that your life does not end at 30. Your life does not end at 35. Your life does not end at 40, 50, whatever. Live your life. Be true to yourself. And if as long as you live that, you're doing better than most of the people out here. Most of the people are afraid to, to face their fears, uh, face the things that may trigger them. Or um, I've been faithful with therapy this year, which is something that I, was terrifying to me. Sometimes before therapy sessions, I get anxiety. A younger me would have just called and canceled them or uh, not followed up when my therapist reaches out to me. So I see the gains in my life, and I also see how much therapy has helped me deal with some of my issues. And I am in a much better place. And sometimes you can forget the progress you go through because it's it's uh, incremental. It's not just a overall shift. But, like... Sometimes people who haven't been around you in a while can see the difference in you, which has happened recently. But yeah, um, we're going to figure out all this. Everything's going to be okay. Um, I will produce more content uh, outside of this podcast. Um, but yeah. Y'all just stay with us for a second. Y'all know we got y'all. It's just, man, me and my nigga, we both busy. We we out here. And I'm glad that, like, anytime we drop, people are excited. And I don't want to, like, disappoint y'all. But at the same time, Unk tired. <laughs> Unk and ain't he tired. So just pray for us. And yeah, it's just a message from the editor, I guess. This past week, Caesar Pena was arrested for real estate fraud and possibly a Ponzi scheme. Almost everybody listening to this will not know who he is. What makes this interesting is his business partner for a lot of these uh, ventures has been DJ MV of the Breakfast Club uh, podcast and radio show. For years, we have seen the wealth and the flashy cars and all the things that DJ Envy has that he seems to have a lot more money than his co-host, Charlemagne, and uh, formerly Angela Yee, which they all are doing well. Don't get me wrong, but Envy seems like he was some kind of like the way they tell us some kind of like financial mastermind. And he was given like all these seminars around the country talking about how to get into real estate and everything. Come to find out, he was really just teaching people how to have rental properties and make money off that. That within itself, I don't have an issue with. Um, I have some issues with some of the bigger elements of like uh, doing that on a large scale or trying to do it on a large scale. Like I have a, we'll, we'll discuss that later, but <laughs> owning real estate and owning rental properties and all these other things is not opposed to my values. And I don't think it makes you a bad person, but the way that these guys were doing it, Makes me feel icky. It's weird, bro. These niggas was out here wildin'. And 
So um, they raided a Caesar Pena, Caesar Pena. I believe I'm saying that right. I'm sorry. I'm a country nigga from Mississippi and Alabama. Um, I believe that they're saying it right. <laughs> but so in one clip that surfaced, I'm going to see if I can find it real quick. There's been so many clips coming up of what seems like Envy dry snitching on himself about how this is clearly a bad uh, venture. So some of this shit has been amazing to look at and be like, oh no, this nigga was wilding and he knew he was wilding. I'm a partner in New Jersey. He owns over 1,600 units in New Jersey and all throughout the country. Caesar was in prison before. Caesar was in prison. Caesar wow. was locked up, and he learned how to do real estate in prison. In pri- wow. He learned how to do it in real estate. We got to bring Caesar up here one day. Yeah, yeah, he loved to do it. And shout out to my guy, the credit dude, man. Yeah. So with Caesar, he taught me how to do it the right way. He taught me, you know, why he was like, his first thing is, why are you using your money? I said, what you mean? He said, you don't use your money. You use other people's money to get these deals. And started teaching me the game of how to do it without using and using minimal money. And that's what I've been trying to teach people. When I first got into real estate, I called three people. I called Clue. Mm-hmm. I called Fabulous. Mm-hmm. I called Joe Button. Mm-hmm. Right? My Desert Storm family. And I said, hey, guys, I'm doing real estate. This is something that I think that, you know, you should invest a little bit of money in, try it out, and that way you can do it. Joe Button told me it was a Ponzi scheme and I was going to go to jail. <laughs> Fab was like, ah, I'll call you back. And Clue was like, nah, it's not for me. But I tried to teach them how to do it because I wanted my brothers to eat. And I meant Caesar. Caesar. In hindsight, everything is like 2020. But (sighs) this gives me no pleasure of bringing down a black man. Let me stop lying. That waffle color Negro has been on my nerves for like so many years. But it's not envy that I'm mad at. It's the whole system of like grind culture, which just makes it seem like that rich people are rich because they work harder than poor people, which is bullshit. And we all know that because we all know poor people that bust their ass. They just poor. And we all know rich people that are lazy. And that's the fact of just being a real life adult. My thing is like with the people like him or the people like Gary V or all these people that try to make it seem like, you know what millionaires are doing right now? They're waking up at four o'clock in the morning after only having four hours of sleep. They're uh, drinking a whole bunch of coffee and then they're on the treadmill and they're doing all of this stuff that you're doing while you sleep for your seven hours trying to rebuild your body after working all day and spending time with your family and loved ones and the person you love, you need to cut all that shit out and you'll become a fucking millionaire or billionaire. And all that shit is bullshit. That's all that capitalistic bullshit that they tell us is what separates uh, the elite from the non-elite. And we know that's fucking bullshit. Elite people know how to keep money within circles. And there's tons of other things that go against black and brown communities as far as money and wealth and all these other things that is too far to like talk about. But it is truly nefarious that these niggas was given uh seminars around the country on how to do this. And they weren't even doing it like, quote unquote, the right way. What they were doing was having like 15, 16 niggas on one property and they split in the rent. But the thing that makes it a positive scheme is the payouts people were getting when they first got on with it weren't sustainable because it wasn't it wasn't a sustainable venture. And then you have Envy using his big name as the biggest radio podcast in urban America. 
And especially with the young following that the Breakfast Club has, they've been feeding into this grind culture bullshit. And Envy got all these flashy ass fucking cars and all this shit. This nigga was scamming. That's what it was. And as somebody that works adjacent to the criminal justice system, I have noticed the switch from drug dealing being the illegal means of making money to fraud and scamming being it. And also, as a frequent listener to rap music, we know so many celebrities who have been caught up in fraud and Ponzi schemes lately and wire fraud and all these type of things. And these people be in our face acting like they just get money from being rich or just getting money because they grind harder than other people. And you got stupid people on the internet trying to find regular people who are making the money that these scamming ass niggas is getting. None of this is sustainable. We are fucking poor as a generation. We're the first generation as millennials who will have less than our parents. I say the first because it's generations to follow us. And all of these people are playing the same capitalistic games and acting like people just ain't working hard enough and all this shit. While at the same time you getting mad at people at Waffle House demanding that they make $25 an hour. My question is, if we all making money, why are you upset about people at Waffle House demanding that they make $25 an hour? Because anybody who has ever been in a Waffle House, especially at a Waffle House after a club uh, breakout, that is the craziest place on earth. Those people deserve whatever they're asking for. They see fights, people throwing up, all this crazy shit that I, if you paid me $50 an hour to work at Waffle House, I would not work at Waffle House. Fuck that. Fuck that. So I feel like whatever they're asking for, give the motherfuckers that shit because hey, it can't be a big pool of people that just want to work at Waffle House and take that shit seriously and show up to work every fucking day. Hell no. Nah. Give them whatever fuck they're asking for. But the reason some of y'all motherfuckers don't want people to make $25 an hour working at Waffle House is because you feel like that brings your value down. And the reason it brings your value down in your head is because whatever work you're doing, you're making maybe less than $25 an hour. And you've bought into all the bullshit that all of these uh, heads of your company, your bosses and all this shit is going to drive up the cost of everything else. Have you been to a goddamn grocery store lately? I went to a grocery store today. I got probably a total of maybe 11 things. That shit was $80. And that's after me making some decisions I used to not make. Am I going to get brand name everything? Am I going to get this, this, and this? Because I was like, I'm spending less than $100. I was, I made it in my mind, I'm like, I am spending less than $100. And that shit was hard. The other day, I got food somewhere and I got gas. Didn't get a full tank because I am driving an F-150. And I was $70 out of it. 50 in the tank, 20 on food. Now, the way, as a single person, I'd be looking at it is, if I spend $20 on food and I'm, I get two meals out of it, bet. I can deal with that. That shit wasn't how it used to be, though. So I get why people are going for, like, a legal means and all these other shit. But just know that shit gonna end you up in the slammer, bro. And if you ain't got no money for a lawyer, all that scamming, uh, fraud, drug dealing shit don't fucking matter. If you ain't got money for your bondsman or you ain't got money for your lawyer... 
Get out the fucking game, bro. Because those are business expenses. If not your life. Anybody that be telling you that making money is easy, y'all niggas just ain't grinding. Get the fuck out of here. Because it don't matter if you clocking in or you doing some other shit. It's always an expense. For most of us, we go to work. And time is our most valuable asset outside of work. So we treasure that time and we try to spend it with our loved ones or doing the things we love. Because that's just life. This is life in this capitalistic system. You try to find what happiness you can find while you can find it. Don't let these motherfuckers wind you up in the slammer. Or wind you up uh, out 100k on some bullshit because you thought it was easy money. Ain't no such thing as easy money. And I know y'all be thinking that like old heads... Be just wildin' when they say ain't no easy money. Live long enough and you see that shit. Nothing is easy in this life. Try to find peace of mind and go about your goddamn business. That's all you can do. But these motherfuckers that be trying to fucking scam you and all this shit, they gonna hype your head up. But you're like, bro... We saw this shit firsthand. And I don't know why motherfuckers are taking all this shit to learn, like, to see and really peep game. 2020 happened. Which we talk about a lot because I feel like that's a. 2020 is one of the most consequential years to ever happen in my lifetime. 2020, when them, uh, Stimulus checks were coming and motherfuckers were trying to sell you on that pyramid scheme that y'all felt like wasn't a pyramid because it was a diamond, which is insane in hindsight. That is fucking insane. That y'all were just like, whoa, it ain't no pyramid, it's a diamond. It's two pyramids. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, whoa, what the fuck are you talking about? Ain't no fucking pyramid. It's two fucking pyramids like stacked on top of each other. What the fuck are y'all talking about? Y'all niggas just ain't trying to get no money. Y'all y'all being scared. That funny money to fuck y'all niggas up. A couple weeks ago, that shit came out that like what 95% of NFTs are worthless. No fucking shit. Who would have fucking known that a digital image couldn't be marketed almost like a trading card and have a value that increases over time? We got AI technology now. You really think those images can't be, like, recreated? And niggas bought it. And then, like, the other thing is, like, some of these scamming-ass niggas that made money off this shit be like, I made money off it. Okay, nigga, you got lucky with that shit. You made money off some risky business. It's just like gambling. I get that. But for the most part, people don't have money they can just gamble with. I think about that episode of Atlanta where uh, Darius was trying to get them to buy, what was it, a cow? It It was some kind of livestock. And Aaron told him, I don't have investment money. Like, I need to eat. Like, I don't have time to wait for a year or two to make money off some shit. And I will not forgive Envy's waffled color feelings for him making money off uh, the least amongst us. Because he wasn't just talking to people that's making money. And even those people that's making money or trying to make a little bit of money and trying to stretch their money. Because communism is kicking, uh, capitalism is kicking our fucking ass. He preyed on those people. And he preyed on black and brown people. Purposely. And that is some nasty business. So if they raid his fucking house... Or if they collect all his cars and all this shit and 
his 18 goddamn kids who had to get a fucking job and all this shit. That's on that nigga. I will end with this. I cannot remember who was on The Breakfast Club. But he was talking about how he didn't want his oldest daughter to go to HBCU. Mind you, this light-skinned ass nigga went to fucking Hampton. And he was like, well, when we were going on tours at HBCUs, I noticed that it wasn't any uh, like real estate programs to go through in school. And I feel like, you know, we should go through real estate and all this shit. All while this nigga is fucking listening to a nigga that went to fucking jail for fraud about real estate. But he wants to demean HBCUs as not be innovative enough on some fucking scams. If that ain't the most hilarious shit in the fucking world. And then plus all the other shit Envy has done in the past. The, the Jesus and Miro interview is high grade bitch shit for me. Fuck DJ Envy. The beige rage himself. Fuck him. Just trying to survive. Just looking out of the window, watching the asphalt grow. Did. Um. So. I had full intentions of talking about like Israel and everything, but uh, I feel like we can do a deep dive. Um. Later, hopefully, me and Kim can record and we can talk about it. So, let's talk about another thing that came up. So, Dwight Howard, um, former NBA All-Star, um, probably a future Hall of Famer, if we base everything on what happened in the court, like on the court, then uh, Dwight Howard is definitely a future Hall of Famer. He was... Uh, defensive player of the year three times in a row. Um, athletic freak. Um, especially of his era. Like a lot of small ball era. And the White Howard, I believe, is like 6'9", 6'10", but athletic freak. Like I said... Like a different level athlete, and I believe that if the trend continues, he will be one of those players that's lost in uh, NBA history. And the people who had the eye test, people like me, and people of his generation, will have to be like, "Nah, Dwight Howard was that nigga at one point." So, um, Dwight Howard has been, uh, known to be a, uh, I'm trying to use my words, uh, Dwight Howard has been known to be promiscuous. Um, he has several baby mothers and has had several fiancés and all that type of thing. Um, currently, Dwight Howard is being sued by a man who said that um, he had a relationship with him in some kind of way. Um, according to what that man says, um, he said that they had a sexual relationship from afar and uh Dwight Howard invited him to his house and to where consensual kissing and other things happened and eventually a series of events happened to where it wasn't consensual and that man is suing and saying that it was rape. Um, 
Kim is not here, but I feel like I speak for all members of this podcast that we stand by uh, the victims of rape or sexual uh, assault. And what this man has said fits along with that. So I want to be very clear on uh, this discussion revolves around those essay allegations. Some people have focused on Dwight Howard and his sexuality. In which, as me and as for everybody in this podcast, I feel safe to say that we don't give a fuck about any of that. But I do give a fuck about the idea that a predator is out here trying to spin things into being a... uh, almost a homophobic witch hunt in which something that's something I don't agree with. Um, we believe victims around here and it seems to be that Dwight Howard has victims of SA. And in the last couple days, Dwight Howard has gone on TikTok and other social media platforms to act like y'all don't need to know what's going on in my bedroom. Blase, blase. Brother, we don't give a fuck about what's going on in your bedroom. Only time we give a fuck is if somebody was victimized because they did not give consent. Um, Mace and Cameron have a podcast that's on YouTube called It Is What It Is. They have a lot of like pause worthy jokes and things like that that are homophobic. Let's just be honest. We're just going to call things what they we're going to call balls and strikes. And yeah, people that listen to podcasts. We'll say a certain phrase after that, but we're going to call balls and strikes on this. Um, even though they were making jokes on their most recent podcast, May says something that I think people, we really should talk about, especially us as men and us as black men. When you surprise somebody, you can't become uh, consensual. He doesn't say this, but that's sexual coercion. The allegations that are against uh, Dwight Howard lead up to sexual coercion, which is part of rape culture, in which there's an infamous uh, um, pyramid of rape culture and sexual origin is one of those things. I feel like a lot of men and women need to have discussions on sexual coercion and overall rape culture and definitely consent. Um, there's a lot of gray areas that should not be gray areas that people will, uh, dwell on and, that's not going to move us as a culture forward. Like we have to have honest discussions about things like this, but like, because you can't have gray areas with, um, when it comes to sex, like I get like sexuality is a spectrum and things operate in a different system, but consent should never be, um, consent should never be gray. It should be black and white. Is that not sexy? You can make that argument. Is that kind of weird? 
and awkward. Yeah, but consent is the most important part of being an adult and moving through this world unproblematic as possible. Um, I, look, I, I get it. It's hard um, based on the things that we learned through social media and media that you just think everything's just supposed to be some sexy, like, sex scene or everything. Um, no. Consent is the most important part of a free society in multiple ways, but we'll leave this just to um, involving sex. A lot of people will downplay that and think, oh, y'all just walk with... No. No, 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 no. No, no. This is the most important thing that you can think about. And these conversations should be normalized in a way that I don't feel like we have normalized them. And that is hazardous to us moving forward as a society. Especially post like the Me Too movement. Which a lot of people like now assume that like the Me Too movement was some kind of Hollywood thing. But the Me Too movement is about survivors speaking out about um, their experiences as victims and reclaiming their personhood. And we got to change the way we talk about these things. As uncomfortable as it may seem to you, these are things that will save people's lives. And especially as men, we have to be made aware that these are real life things. So, yeah. Um, Dwight Howard, yes, he should be able to do whatever is free in his bedroom and he should not be judged for that. Except when it comes to the lines being blurred of consent. It doesn't matter if he's a man in relations with other men. Or it doesn't matter if it's a woman, child. Like, it's definitely not a child. If it doesn't, ma- it doesn't matter. Consent is the most important thing in this society. And I feel like a lot of people have gotten lost in it. And he has posted videos talking about what goes on in his bedroom. That shouldn't matter to other people. I will agree, sir. Except for you have somebody that was in your bedroom that feels like they did not give consent to the things that happened. And then you, being the person that you were in that situation, had one of his... uh. One of his predators drive him home instead of him getting a cab. That is something that is some nasty business. You insisted that one of the people that were part of his rape take him home. That, no, absolutely not. We're not doing that in 2023. And I say that as somebody who I feel like is an ally and an advocate for our LGBTQ uh, brothers, sisters, and cousins. We're not going to do that. And you're not going to try to, like, use that as some kind of scapegoat just because, like, this society is homophobic. You would not use toxic masculinity and uh, being a predator as a scapegoat from you not facing the consequences of your of your actions so not over here bro and yeah if you disagree fuck you motherfuckers I don't give a fuck don't listen to goddamn podcast I don't, like bro we support uh 
the victims of people over here. I don't give a shit. Y'all, like, I don't give a fuck. The thing is, like, a lot of people think that, like, if you have, like, a liberal or a left-leaning platform or uh, just basis of life, that you, like, people think you should be passive in that. That's not going to happen. There are certain things that are lines in the sand, and I don't give a fuck what happens. We support victims, and we believe victims. I don't give a shit. And I especially don't give a shit about Dwight Howard. He ain't got nothing to do with what was going on in his basketball. He ain't got nothing to do with all any of this shit. I support victims. This podcast supports victims. And if you don't support victims, fuck you. Noted TikTok food reviewer Keith Lee uh, made a trip to the city of Atlanta, a.k.a. the Black Mecca, a.k.a. Wakanda. And things didn't go in favor of Wakanda. Uh, I saw some person say, uh, things haven't been right since Keith Killmonger got to Wakanda. And to say that uh, Keith Lee is Killmonger is giving Killmonger a little bit more credit than what Keith Lee is. Um, If you don't know on TikTok, Keith Lee is like the food critic. And he has big up a lot of... Uh, small businesses and made them a lot of money just by his honest reviews and he's fair he seems to be a good guy and his family seems to be nice and all these things which is rare in social media era to have a guy that is that seems to have a little bit of integrity and all of that let me tell you about something a lot of times uh, integrity and Atlanta do not uh, coexist peacefully we'll say bro first place he went was the Atlanta Breakfast Club or it was something similar and like for most of his reviews in Atlanta he's been like there's some like strange rules Things he's not used to, like everybody at the table orders and this one check and it's all this other stuff, which is basically just Atlanta shenanigans that we have all experienced. If you've ever been to Atlanta or if you live in Atlanta or nearby, Atlanta be on some bullshit. Like I know like everybody be like, oh, it's a black Mecca. That's uh, we're black America. This black Hollywood, all this shit. Atlanta be on some bullshit a lot of times. And every time I go to Atlanta, I'm always reminded of why I would never, ever, 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 ever live in Atlanta. I'm not built for it. And I'm sure some bougie-ass fucking nigga that's listening to this be like, oh, Atlanta doesn't want you. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. So, Keith Lee has been going through all these places and experiencing all this stuff in real time. He has uh, uplifted a lot of amazing Atlanta restaurants that I will love to visit next time I have to go to that god-awful city. But, um, like, the, the two jerk places he went, he had good experiences. And if you've ever gone to a Jamaican restaurant Having a good customer service experience is like damn near a miracle. So I don't want to hear none of the bullshit 
from none of these Atlanta niggas about how he's hating on the city of Atlanta. If you got good jerk restaurants and good Jamaican food that had good customer service, oh no, like none of y'all niggas got excuses for any of the bullshit that y'all be doing. And then like, it's just, bro. Um, what, what was that one place? Uh, Milk and Honey in Atlanta. He had a review, a food review without any food. And that's insane. Like, he was like, we're going to eat it now. And he was like, I, as you notice, I don't have any food in front of me. And that is some wild shit. And then the owners of that restaurant made a TikTok acting like, but who's Keith Lee? Baby. Baby. Keith Lee is the voice of the people. Like, he don't be asking for no handouts. He he pays for his food. He tips well and everything. This is a man of the people. He doing God's work. Because a lot of y'all Atlanta uh, restauranteers, in quotes, are just scammers. A lot of the people that open restaurants have been successful in other areas of life and decide that they should just be able to open a bar or a restaurant. And all of us suffer because of it. It's not a pleasant uh, experience. We talked about it on this podcast a couple of times. A lot of times it seems like people put money in the uh, aesthetics of what they think a, a popular restaurant should look like. And the food quality is terrible and the customer service is awful. Because it's not people from the food and restaurant and bar industry. It's people that are successful in other areas of life and think that I've conquered this uh, part of my life. I can uh, branch out and uh, be even more successful. And things don't work that way with customer service. I saw one person say that a lot of these quote unquote rules that are unique is because they don't have like an actual culture of like business or customer service. So they pass it along to the consumer because they aren't doing their job. And people are mad about that, man. People don't have time for that shit. Like, these people have to understand that you know how expensive it is to eat out? That is a, like, as expensive as things are right now, if you choose to eat out, you better have a good experience. And people be letting this shit slide, especially, like, oh, I hate to say it, a lot of black businesses be on some bullshit. Not all. Not all, but a lot of black businesses be on some bullshit and expecting like us to just let it slide because they who they are. That ain't how this shit works. Keith Lee is burning through the city of Atlanta like uh, William to come some Sherman. <laughs> He's going to the sea, goddammit, and he gonna burn all this motherfucking bullshit down. Like, you can sell, like niggas start selling lamb chops and put a grass wall up on uh their interior and think that they are like high class or whatever. It don't work like that. You can go to a hole in the wall anywhere in, in any city that got good food. All that bullshit on the outside, that don't mean shit if your food is trash or your drinks are trash. And a lot of people have been getting off on that shit. And, like, I've seen people try to act like it's uh, Keith's fault that, like, some of these businesses have suffered because of that. But, no, he putting you on notice. Yo, I'm sure your customers have complained about your shit. It's just y'all don't give a fuck about them. So, like, when you got a nigga with clout and that's who y'all care about or, uh... The one restaurant that said that they weren't serving people because they were closed for a deep cleaning. And then they saw who 
was trying to get food and they were like, no, we'll do this. That's the bullshit y'all doing. Y'all playing favorites and just trying to be clout chasing. And that ain't how the restaurant industry work. You should be ready for an important person to come through your door any day of the week. And you got to be consistent with that shit. And y'all motherfuckers ain't consistent. So I don't feel sorry if any of y'all lose revenue or whatever. Like, it's one thing to be like, yo, this is a bad day. We are busy. Like, whatever. But he's even cool with that. Motherfuckers are making it a bigger excuse that, like, he's not going with the cloud or whatever. And that's a, like, that's a, um indictment on your own morals that's not an indictment on his morals the game fucked up man people have to do better i saw one tweet which will probably sum up this episode i've seen people talk about restaurants aren't doing well these days i've seen people talk about Bars aren't doing well. The level of quality isn't there. And the level of criminal activity just isn't there like it used to be. It used to mean something to be a criminal. I feel like the Joker in uh, Dark Knight. Like, I'm going to be the criminal that this city deserves. And the city deserves a criminal like Keith Lee, even though he's not a criminal. Like, this nigga is in Gotham City and just put Batman on notice. Or Wakanda. He killed Monger. Because this is Wakanda. Wakanda be full of some bullshit, though. And I could never live in Wakanda. Traffic is bad. There's scammers everywhere. Everything's overpriced. Game fucked up, man. But look, hey, if you enjoy Atlanta... I ain't saying nothing against you. It's just, it ain't my speed. But, who knows? I think I've talked enough. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You can find all of our links and merchandise at www.thesuburbanpodcast.com. You can also get your listens in on any of these streaming services, such as Google Play, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Subscribe.